Okay, everybody, this is Imran Anwal of Digital Learning Partners, specifically DLP Academy. I want to welcome everyone to our first ongoing session of professional development workshops. Today, we are going to be having a workshop based around writing and equipping educators with practical tools to teach writing. And the four sessions that we're going to have that are going to be concurrent on every Saturday are going to cover the psychology of writing, writing strategy, importance of feedback, and tackling plagiarism. <laughs> And with us today and for our future sessions, we have Mr. Suleiman Jenkins, who is an academic scholar and researcher in the field of applied linguistics. He's originally from Brooklyn, New York. He's been teaching uh, as a professor of English in Saudi Arabia and other, other places for over 16 years. He has published a number of articles in top tier journals and his research interests concern race and identity. Uh, Suleiman is someone I've had the pleasure of working with in the past and uh, is a former supervisor for myself, so I can definitely attest to his uh, acumen and skill level. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Suleiman. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the bio uh, is that I was fortunate to publish my first book uh, last year, um, Life is Raw. So um, when it comes to writing, uh, something that I'm very passionate about, um, it's something I love to do. And hopefully with this series, I'll be able to help pass on some of the tools uh, that will enable you all to um, also become uh, prolific writers. I am going to share the presentation. Just one second. Yes. So <clears throat> this is a series of workshops. Uh, Mr. Nanwala asked me to put something together, and I said, okay, based on my um, many years of research at different levels, uh, my experience writing itself, uh, some of the challenges uh, that are involved in teaching writing as a skill, I said, let me uh, go ahead and tackle the main areas that I think that you would um, uh, encounter as instructors of writing. And so what I uh, put together was um, a list of four. Now, Imran mentioned them. I'm going to mention them in a little bit more detail in a little bit. But the first one is called the psychology of writing. So just get that in your mind that today is more going to be really not anything talking about mechanics or talking about anything sort of uh, at the technical level. It's just sort of the macro psychology of writing, uh, what's involved. Okay. Um, the agenda for today is we'll do a brief introduction to the series. We'll talk about, again, what is writing? That's my, my, that's my approach uh, and my philosophy in teaching. Uh, essentially, I like to think big and then go small, right? Because I don't like to go through the nitty gritty and the, the details if we don't understand the big picture. It doesn't make any sense. So what exactly is involved in writing itself? How is writing different from culture to culture? There are, these are aspects of writing that sometimes um, we don't really pay attention to, but they have actually very uh, important and impactful influences on the writing process. What are the particular challenges of writing in English? Look at some student learning profiles. So the typical types of students that you might encounter or you have encountered if you're already teaching writing. Methods and strategies to help students mentally prepare and practically prepare for uh, a course in writing or a career in writing. We'll look at some case studies. So some actual examples of or ex actual cases where uh, that you might encounter uh, uh, in terms of trying to find solutions to writing problems. 
and then ultimately questions. So what is writing? Okay, now this is, um, this session is, uh, it was designed, it's designed mostly to be um, interactive, but in the event that there's not, uh, you know, there are not that many participants, then, you know, we'll have to transfer it to lecture style. But a, an initial question would be, what, how would you define writing and the teaching and learning of writing? Okay, so how would you, how would you define this? Um, there might be a number of different responses ranging from the arrangement of letters, uh, the arrangement of words to make sense, uh, vocabulary, grammar, all these are the typical answers that are thrown out there. We're going to have a, a, a little bit more scientific understanding of what is involved in writing. Writing is a very complex human skill. It's actually the last one to be learned. When children are born, when we were all born, the first thing we do is speak, right? That's, the, that's, that's natural to us. Um, there are many, many different cultures where they only have oral forms of writing, right? Um, there are some uh, cultures that do not have any written form. So writing is really, when you think about it in terms of human history, it is uh, not all that natural to do. Um, and it's something that is the last thing to be learned and the last thing to be mastered. Um, so writing itself is a very complex human skill. It consists of expressing complex thoughts and ideas through lexicon, meaning through words, and through syntax, meaning through uh, the word order. So the order of the words, so putting the words in the correct order. That involves uh, knowing vocabulary. So you have to be a prolific reader. Uh, you obviously have to know the grammar rules in order to make sure that the form of the sentence uh, is correct and makes sense. Uh, one of the and we'll talk about in detail what are the challenges of writing, but one of the one of the um, aspects of writing that is uh, that makes it very important to be a good writer is that unlike teaching and learn, unlike speaking and listening, when you're having a conversation with somebody, if you don't understand something, you can ask for clarification. Whereas with writing. There is no room, there's no space to ask for clarification. So the writing that is on the memo, the writing that is in the email, the writing that is in the writing assignment has to be absolutely crystal clear. And so the measure of good writing is a measure of clarity. How clear is your writing? How clearly have you communicated your points? This is often something that's very, very difficult to master. And because it's difficult to master, when someone does master it, it's uh, considered very prestigious. Writing as a skill itself is very important in today's global economy. I mean, where English is the dominant international language of everything, government, business, technology, finance. Um, it is important to know how to write, how to communicate with writing. We, sometimes, you know, people may not be able to, uh, you know, uh, have uh, in-person in meetings or things like that. So writing becomes the especially in an online setting, becomes a very effective way of communication. And so, again, you have to make sure that what you are saying is what you mean and what you mean is what you say. 
it is not easy. <clears throat> I have been writing for, let's see, I'm 40. I've been writing for about uh, since high school. So 19, I've been writing, I'd say, for about 25 years. Um, and I still have a lot, of, a lot to learn. But it's taken about 25 years to really fine tune uh, my writing style, um, you know, write in a way that is, that is um, celebrated. And so it takes a long, long time. And if students are, um, if students are motivated, that's great. Um, but they have to know that the road ahead is not, is not the easiest. So introduction to the series. So what is this series going to cover exactly? So it's designed to give a comprehensive foundation of teaching English writing. We begin with the psychology of writing. So what is involved? It's sort of the big picture. We just sort of scratched the surface a little bit ago, but what's involved in the big picture? Psychology of writing. Then we get sort of, you know, uh, a little bit more concentrated. What are some writing strategies that you can help your students to employ in order to help them to digest what it is uh, that they need to do in writing? Uh, the importance of feedback. So feedback is also something that's very, very critical for students. They cannot grow unless they are told uh, or shown how their writing is, uh, where, the, where the areas are that they're strong and where the areas are that they need to work on. So that's very, very key. And then tackling plagiarism is the last uh, series. And this is something that um, is more at the sort of when you start to get into the research level, um, but it's also it's really important at any at any stage. And it's important to understand why students plagiarize and then also how to effectively remedy these without really causing too much, um, you know, too much damage. If at any point there are any topics of greater interest than any, any, of, the, any of the following ones, then we can easily substitute any of the follow-up sessions. Um, if there's something that you that's very, very passionate, uh, something affecting your community or your academic environment, and you would like to talk about those things, we can easily uh, substitute. But that, these are the ones that I felt are comprehensive enough for any writing program, any set of teachers to uh, sort of uh, go through them, and then you have a very solid foundation. So again, so we looked at what writing is as a skill, and we said that it was unnatural. We said that it was the last one to be learned, very difficult. How is it different from culture to culture? So again, we said all cultures do not, not all cultures have writing, but quite a few do. So how is writing different from culture to culture? Well, let's, let's take a look. I would, if as, as an interactive uh, session, I would have asked how many of you uh, speak another language. I'm almost certain that at least some of uh, the audience would speak a different language other than English. And then I would ask, would you consider yourself a proficient writer in that language? Okay. Why do I ask this question? Because oftentimes what you find and what I have found is that uh, if people have a native language other than English, or if people um, speak uh, another language uh, just as well as they speak English, 
Uh, what you find is that they're not that great a writer in their first language or their, you know, the language that they learn along with English, which is interesting because what happens is you have some students who, if you're not a proficient writer in your own language or a mother language, there's a theory that if you have the skills in the first language, then you can easily translate those skills to the second language. But what happens if you don't have those language, that, those skills in the first language to begin with, right? So if let's say you are, uh, your mother language is Arabic, if you're not a good or uh, consistent writer in Arabic, then how in the world are you going to become a good writer in English? So what I have, um, what I have uh, discovered in my research is that many of the time, many of, most of the time when students come to me at the university level, they're literally learning how to write academically for the very first time in their lives, which is really something incredible because it'd be one thing to sort of help if they knew their, they knew the conventions of writing in their own language and that could help them when they're trying to learn how to write in a different language. But if you don't know the conventions of your own language and now you're trying to learn the whole skill of writing itself, and then you're learning this in a different language, it becomes, the, the task becomes exponentially more uh, challenging. Another question I follow up with is, would you consider yourself a professional, a proficient English writer? So sometimes you might have best case scenario, student is proficient in their native language, but not yet proficient in English, which is great. Worst case scenario, student has no clue about writing in their own language and now is trying to learn how to write successfully and academically and professionally in a foreign or a different language. So it's a, it's a bit challenging, but it can be mastered. For those who do, uh, who can write between both, I would ask, are there any major differences between English and other cultures in terms of writing? And immediately there would be, um, there would be some suggestions, right? So one of the main and clearly different things between uh, writing in different uh, languages is the system itself. So writing systems can be drastically different. When we talk about writing system, we're talking about the actual, what, it, what are the tools that are used for language in terms of letters, in terms of uh, letter formation, the text direction. Some cultures are uh, like uh, English is left to right. Some cultures are right to left. Um, some cultures are top to bottom, like as in, in, in uh, Japanese and in uh, Chinese with hiragana and katakana and, and kanji. So uh, the writing systems themselves can be drastically different. The writing system is deeply embedded in the culture. So in, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, some cultures are very direct, like German, like English, and while some other cultures are sort of circular, you don't need to necessarily get to the point or the onus of trying to figure out what's going on is placed on the reader as opposed to the writer. So there is an issue of responsibility, who's supposed to get it, right? Um, 
in English culture, it is a writer responsibility culture, meaning that it's the writer's responsibility to provide everything for the reader, make it very clear. Whereas in other cultures, it is a reading responsibility where the uh, reader is supposed to figure everything out. So it's, and this is all tied into the uh, culture itself and what they, what values do they place on certain things. Uh, contrastive rhetoric, rhetoric is a branch of linguistics that deals with studying how languages are uh, similar and how they're different. And then, you know, sort of look at uh, how to manage those differences between between the two writing systems. Very interesting, uh, very interesting part of uh, linguistics, if you're interested in studying this a little bit further. And because writing systems are different because the worldview is different. So for instance, like I said, in Chinese culture, uh, adopting a circular approach to writing is more effective and desired than coming out and saying it straight. Um, for me, it's important for students to understand what it is that English speakers do with writing. So why do we just come out, what is it that we do and why is it that we do it? So we come out and say it, we deliver topic sentences, main ideas, we make it very clear. And why do we do that? Because as a society, as a, um, yeah, as, as a uh, civilization, the West values directness, getting to the point, making everything clear. So that value system of valuing directness and making sure everything is to the point, and if you, you've done it in the fastest, quickest, clearest way possible, that is important to ex, uh, explain to the students so that they know what the expectations are, right? If you explain to them, this is our culture, this, or this is the culture of English speakers, this is what they expect, then it helps them to manage their expectations. When they're writing, they should be able to tell themselves, oh, they expect this. Have I done this? Or from what I'm writing, could it be understood that this is going on? I find that this is a step in teacher writing that's often overlooked. Uh, they just sort of get into the mechanics. These are the words. Here's vocabulary. Here's the grammar. Here's a topic. Go ahead and write without really looking at these sort of more uh macro important aspects of, okay what exactly is going on in writing and how might it, how might that be different than what students are used to doing either through learning uh, writing English or through uh, their own culture so it's very important to under, to explain the cultural aspects of writing because it helps students to manage expectations so it's very important all right so with regards to English itself, what would be particularly challenging about writing in English? This is a million dollar question. So I would ask the audience, what do you feel makes writing in English particularly difficult? Some answers would be the spelling system is an absolute nightmare, which it absolutely is. Uh, it's one of the least efficient languages in the world. Um, 
And when I say least efficient, because uh, a language is considered uh, efficient or phonetic when one sound, one letter equals one sound, right? So in Arabic, um, I use this as an example because, again, I've been there for uh, 17 years. It's a very phonetic language, meaning one letter equals one sound. That same letter that you see all the time will, and you see certain uh, diacritical marks, uh, anytime you see that, it will only be that sound. It's not possible for it to be a different sound. Whereas in English, you have 26 letters, but 44 sounds, at least 44. That's the one I last studied. It might be even more uh, now. So 26 letters and 44 sounds, right? So let's take the example of the A, okay? So if someone reads the letter A, then they would think that it has the sound A and A. But if they hear father, they hear about, they hear um, uh, yeah, cake, they hear uh, Android, they hear all these different words, some of them have the sound that they've learned when they saw it, right? When they saw A and they saw, they saw that it has the letter, that has the sound A and has the sound A, but then it has all the other sounds like the schwa, the uh, right? And it has the ah as in father, right? So what you hear, it's very difficult to transcribe that. And what you see on paper, sometimes it's very difficult to pronounce that right? So uh, spelling can be an absolute, absolute nightmare. So one second. Um, another issue uh, is, again, English's system and his worldview. So we talked about this uh, just briefly a moment ago. So it's very important to understand that uh, the English um, expectation is that everything is direct and to the point. And that reflects the cultural values on basically time is money. Let's get things done. Let's be as clear as possible. We don't have time to waste. So there's no need to decorate your writing with fluff and with things that don't make any sense or have no relation to what you're talking about because that there's no value there. We don't value that, right? So it's a waste of time. So uh, some in other cultures, where they're not, I wouldn't say they necessarily value uh, wasting time, but their value is not placed on directness. Their value may be placed on other things. And so what makes writing in English difficult at times is when a student can't understand the value that is placed on directness and translating that into, into their own writing habits and styles. So this takes, this is a transition uh, period for quite a lot of students, the faster they can get to, you know, through it, you know, then the, the better off. Uh, again, usually takes a lot of practice. The more practice, uh, the better. But the English system and its worldview can be particularly difficult. Vocabulary can be uh, difficult. I think it's difficult in any language, just learning, you know, all different types of words and then uh, synonyms for those words. Um, Grammar can be particularly difficult uh, when learning English, uh, particularly with perfect tenses. Uh, so present perfect and past perfect. 
in some cultures, they do not express time like this, particularly with past perfect. So it's only used in a particular case where you have two actions happening in the past and one happening before the other. Some cultures don't talk like that. They don't, they don't, they don't construct their ideas like that. They don't look at time like that. So when they see it in English or they're expected to produce it, that can be you know, a bit challenging because they don't have it in their own language. Same thing with <laughs> present perfect, where you talk about something that happened in the past, but at an unspecified time, again, they may not necessarily have that concept in a language. So adapting to that in English can be, uh, can be challenging. All right. So spelling system, English, uh, the English worldview, vocabulary and grammar. And then again, uh, in a more uh, interactive setting, I would ask, you know, I would ask the audience to, to uh, contribute. What do they think or other particular challenges? I might not have gotten them all. So what types of student learners might you face um, as you are preparing to teach writing? What kind of learners might you encounter? Well, I've encountered all of them. You have the beginner level. And the beginner level is generally marked by being easily frustrated because of the rules, right? So this, the, the, the problem with English in general is that you learn 20 rules, but then you learn about 100 exceptions to those rules, right? So it would be a lot more, it would be a lot easier if the language was predictable like other languages, uh, but it's not. So there's a lot of rules and exceptions that need to be learned. So it can be very frustrating for beginner levels. Especially with writing, you find that because things can be a bit challenging in the beginning, they need to be constantly and consistently motivated. So you have to make sure that you're constantly in tune with your, uh, you know, the motivational level, the emotional level of your students to make sure that they're always, you know, at, at, at a basic level to, to keep pushing forward. At the easy intermediate level, they have had some success, so they've gained some confidence, but they still make basic errors in expression, for instance, how direct they are or not, and then also vocabulary usage. They need some motivation, but they can work independently. Okay. You have advanced learners, uh, and advanced learner is confident and very knowledgeable of the writing conventions. They need little supervision, but they and they still, you know, they still, uh, you know, make um, minor errors. May need some direction in determining the nuances of the language. So they might come to you and ask you, okay, I, I want, I want to say this. Does it mean? Does it mean this? Or how can I say this in a different way? You know, so that's when they start to, uh, you know, that's when they start to really be able to master the nuances of the language. And then you have the expert uh, writer, which generally you won't. I don't expect you to have in your classes, uh, but it is possible. Uh, Native-like comp competency, so they understand a language just like a, as if they were born in uh, an English-speaking country. They've mastered nuanced vocabulary and complex grammatical structures, and they lead little to no guidance. Uh, oftentimes, when you have these kinds of students, uh, what I generally do is I try to, um, you know, I try to push them further, but I also try to make them a resource in the class to help others, you know, so that um, others have a successful model of where they'd like to be and where they'd like to go. So uh, it's, it's important to utilize, um, utilize these more advanced students. 
So as you are preparing your writing course, your writing program, what are some things that you have to think about? Now, again, <clears throat> you have to, my approach for everything is that you look at things from a macro perspective before you move in. So I would look at these things before I even, before we started the semester, before we uh, started the program, so that you have some sort of foundational things in the back of your mind as you are uh, trying to make sure that your students develop incrementally, increment, at, an, at an incremental stage. It's very important to scaffold writing. So like I said, I was, uh, when Imran mentioned, I was a supervisor at National Guard. I came up with a program literally from A to Z, from, from scratch. And I had basically take it from high school student level, understand the psychology and the, um, the experience that these students were coming from, I had to integrate that, begin a foundational uh, class or level, and then watch that proceed up until the research level. So in order to do that, you really have to have a macro view of where you see your students entering the program and where do you see them exiting and how are you going to get there, right? So this is these are strategies that should be used um, definitely in the beginning, but also throughout. So one of the main things I uh, stress is that in the very, very beginning of the course, I, I explain what is writing itself. Just so that we're clear with the students that this skill is different than any other skill, you know, that, that they encounter and what makes it different and what makes it challenging so that they know ahead of time what are the, uh, you know, what, how can they manage expectations. So discuss writing as a skill as we did today. Explain the cultural differences. So bring in different examples. Let them see, uh, hopefully, you know, you can use some of the examples of the students that you are, you know, from the cultures that they are teaching. So how is it different than cult from culture to culture? Because why is this important? Because you have to understand that for a majority or for a large portion of the students, they may not be proficient in their own language in terms of writing. And so you have to not only explain the conventions of writing itself, but also what are the cultural underpinnings of writing? What is it expected? What do English speakers expect when they uh, read a piece of writing? And it might be very different than what you would expect in a different culture. So very important. You should explain your approach to writing in general. There are two major approaches to writing. There's the process-oriented approach and the product approach. Product approach is really only concerned with the uh, just one, the final draft that's used for evaluation. And this is typically important for, you know, sort of like testing, major testing, like uh, TOEFL and IELTS and things like this. Um, but for me, in my experience, uh, that's not the most effective approach to teaching writing uh, because generally students need a lot of work and they need a lot of help. And I myself, there's no piece of writing that I have ever written in my life where I've just literally sat down and done it, 
in 30 minutes to an hour. And then I, I turned it out and I panned it in and I got an A on that assignment. It's not possible. So it's not natural to just have a product approach to writing where you just sit down, do it once and that's it. No, every single piece of writing that I've done, it has taken a series of steps, very important steps from brainstorming the information, digesting what the assignment is asking of me, taking notes, you know, putting that into some sort of rough sketch and then producing a first draft and then running that draft through a, a series of iterations until we finally have a polished product. So that is for me, the uh, most effective way to help students become great writers is if you adopt a process oriented approach. So if you're going to do that, then you need to explain that to the students from the very beginning. What is a process approach? Why is it important? what your expectations are for them in the beginning of the course and how you will be using that throughout the, uh, throughout the semester. Um, sometimes students may see it as extra work, busy work. Why do I need to write all these drafts when I can just write it one time? You know, and that's, a, that's a, you know, an, an expected and typical uh, response that you would uh, expect any student who's trying to save time, but they need to really buy in to the fact that they will not become good writers except through practice and you will not be you will not have good practice except through multiple multiple drafts it's just it's just impossible for you to produce something of substance and something that's valuable uh you can't do it immediately it takes time it takes time to um it takes time to produce so the the sooner they get on board with that the easier and then also you know you can make it a part of assessment you know so in my uh, experience, <clears throat> I've made that a part of assessment. So, for, so for, you, you, you dedicate a small portion of the assessment to the process approach. So students get rewarded for uh, just going through the, you know, the motions and getting used to uh, producing things uh, and at the draft level. It's also important, uh, in addition to a process approach, it's also, for me, it's important to scaffold your approach. So you can't assume that all students know all the different levels uh, and that they know them proficiently. So it's important, I always tell my students in the very beginning of the course, guys, you can't make a successful essay without making a successful paragraph. And you cannot make a successful paragraph without uh, writing a successful sentence. So I always revisit what needs to be done at each level. If students are proficient at those levels, great. You just, so it's sort of a quick review and you just, you know, um, establish what, you know, what are the critical components of successful sentences and paragraphs. Um, but it's important for students to know because they all, you know, a lot of times they want to rush into essay levels, but they can't even make it a, a decent sentence. So um, it defeats the purpose of plowing through essay writing and they don't know what to do at the sentence level. So make sure that students are very good uh, sentence writers before they become paragraph writers, before they become uh, essay writers. Always, always provide consistent and constructive feedback. Very important for students to know where they stand on the writing continuum. Um, you know, and a lot of times students, you know, we, 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 we promote learner autonomy, which is very important. Um, but at the same time, too, we do need to provide uh, guidance. So <clears throat> I have a sort of, if you teach a student, uh, if you give a student a fish, they eat for that day. And if you teach a student to fish, they eat for a lifetime. 
So that's my approach to feedback. I don't necessarily, I don't, I'm not going to change an entire sentence for any student, but I do use symbols and, you know, point to certain areas that need to be changed, grammar here, punctuation here. And then this way, at least they know that, you know, <clears throat> they know the area that needs to be improved, but you haven't told them exactly, um, you haven't told them exactly what, and they can go and figure it out. Um, for more sort of, uh, structural issues like, you know, unclear ideas and things like that, then yeah, you have to write those, you know, write those comments in. Um, and then ultimately, if uh, the student needs a lot of work, you can call them in for office hours. But the main thing to remember is that you need to provide consist consistent and constructive feedback. Uh, I'm, also I'm also a proponent of being lenient in grading where leniency is appropriate. Now, why is that? It's not because I believe uh, students should get all students should get A's and, you know, everything is kumbaya and things like that. No, that's not that's not that's not, you know, <clears throat> it's very important to get the grade that you deserve. But at the same time, what I've noticed is that uh, writing in and of itself is a very uh, can be the very, very demotivating and deflating skill to learn. Add on top of that with a, a strict teacher right um that can make uh that can really demotivate a student so um you know in, in many cases grades are a way of helping a student uh you know they they they, they help a student to be motivated like again i'm not saying that you give them you know don't give students all a's but in the uh interest of helping to bolster motivation for a student uh, be lenient in the grading as opposed to being harsh. What I've found in uh, my experience is that you have quite a few teachers, especially if they come from the West and they go to, for instance, the Middle East or other cultures, they are uh, not sympathetic to the fact that these students are trying to learn, or there's so many things involved in this, this process of learning to write in English. So they're not that sympathetic and they treat them as if they would treat students, you know, uh, college students who have spoken English for the for their entire lives, you know, treat them as if they're the same and it's really not right. So um, be you're lenient when you're allowed to be uh, with the with the hopes of, you know, just helping keeping motivation, uh, you know, um, on a, at a certain level, again, where it's possible when it's not possible, or if you have very strict guidelines, then it is what it is. Um, but I'm always just in general, I'm always the most lenient uh, teachers of, of, of all the ones that give grades. So, and it's it's not because, like I said, I like to give out candy, but it's because it's, it can be a motivational uh, factor for students. As I mentioned before, when you have stronger students in the class, help have them mentor uh, weaker ones. And then practice, practice, practice. This is, I can't stress it enough. Um, students will not become good writers until they can uh, practice practice, practice is very, very important. Um, and not just any practice, good practice. So the phrase practice makes perfect, it can be a bit misleading because you can be practicing the wrong thing and it can become perfect at doing the wrong thing, right? So it's, it's good practice or perfect practice makes perfect. So you have to practice doing the right things and do that over and over and over again. Also, it's important to model good samples for the students so they can see what good writing looks like. So again, if you have uh, you know samples of, of work, exceptional work from previous classes, 
can show that to the students so that they know where they're, where they're heading. And then you can also analyze the students work in the class. You can do that collectively. All right, now there are three case studies that we'll look at and um, I will read them and then give a, uh, you know, just a sort of a second or two to digest uh, what these case studies are talking about. Um, <clears throat> and then again, like I said, ideally, what would happen is, um, you know, we might be able to do breakout rooms and people can talk about them, discuss them, but in the absence of an audience, we'll just read them and then I will discuss them. So case study one, student is very enthusiastic writing and practices a lot. Whenever they come to your office for feedback and you ask the student to explain their ideas, they often communicate ideas that you can't locate in their writing. Students adamant that they've done their best to express their ideas, but there's often a difference between what the student says and what they write. What could be the issues and how would you remedy them? <clears throat> this is a classic case of uh, there being a cultural disconnect, right? So sometimes students feel like they have explain their point clearly. It's clear to them what they meant when they were writing, but they have not yet translated that into their writing for another reader. You hear it all the time. But teacher, that's what I said. That's maybe what you thought you said, or maybe what you said to yourself, but that thought, that idea, what you're explaining to me right now in my office, that is nowhere to be found on the paper, nowhere in the writing. And so, again, here's a situation where you have, you know, students, they love to write, but they, they're missing the, the step of uh, uh, expressing their ideas clearly on paper. So making sure that what they understand and what they want to be known, that that's also on the paper. So when the student like this comes to me, and they explain themselves, I say, okay, what you just talked to me, what you just said to me right now, can you explain where that, tell me, show me where that is in your writing. And then they'll try, you know, they go to a certain sentence and I say, but no, that doesn't say that, that says something else, or that says a supporting idea. And then ultimately you get them to see that, okay, that may be what you intended to write or what you meant to write, but those thoughts were not uh, actualized in your writing. So again, and sometimes that can be, again, it can be a cultural thing. Sometimes they expect the reader to sort of just get that or understand that or infer from that without writing explicitly. So this is a situation where you have to remind the student of the expectations of English writers. And that I, you know, when you leave a piece of writing, there's nothing that I can't ask for clarifications, whatever it is on the, whatever is on the paper, that's what I have to go with. Key study two. Whenever you give out assignments, you often ask students to hand in all the drafts that they've done in addition to the final copy. A certain student constantly hands in a final draft only, which is often replete with errors and often results in a low grade. What could be issues and how would you remedy them? <clears throat> so this is an issue where uh, the student simply does not 
buy into um, the processed approach. They simply do not. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Uh, if your program does not incorporate draft writing into the grade, then, you know, that's fine. But know that you run the risk of basically minimizing the importance of process writing. And so you have a student that just cares about handing in the, the first, you know, the final draft without really going through drafts. Um, and what I've found and what students have found is that when they come to me in my office and we go through the mistakes and they say, oh, I know that, I know that I should have changed that, I said blah, 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 blah. And they go through so many different errors. And then I tell them, well, if you know all these errors, then they shouldn't be in the paper. And had you fixed these errors before you actually turned it in, you would have changed a B paper into an A paper. So not only does drafting help you as a writer, but it also helps you grade. It also helps to eliminate errors before you actually turn them in. And so that's one way that I show them to sort of buy into the process that look, yes, it might be extra work, but that extra two minutes, three minutes of extra work might save you or might be the difference between an A grade and a B grade. So, you know, try your best to help students to buy into process writing. Last case study, there's a time writing assignment coming up and a student comes to your office to express concern and anxiety about not having enough ideas to write, especially during timed exams. Said student is super stressed and tells you they're going to almost certainly fail. What can be the issues and how would you remedy them? Now, this is uh, also an issue is that students just, um, they freak out because they don't think that they can write enough. They have a five paragraph essay they think that they're going to run out of ideas <clears throat> and, you know, yeah, it could be possible. It could be possible that you run out of ideas. And then also when you stress, your body releases hormones that make it even more difficult to concentrate. So you're not, you, when you're stressed, your mind, you, your, your body is now in a flight or fight mode where all they're thinking about is either leaving whatever it is situation they're in or fighting it. And none of these involve really too much, you know, uh, uh, mental issues. As a matter of fact, it drains it. So it makes it more difficult to concentrate. Um, so what I try to tell students to do is uh, they basically just need to practice. You need to practice being able to produce different types of ideas, different numbers of ideas, um, you know, within a time setting. Uh, it might, it is, it is a struggle. It is, uh, challenging, especially when a grade is, is, uh, is, you know, up for grabs, but at the same time, the more you practice, the easier it will become and the more used to the student will become, uh, with producing different numbers of ideas. So you have to, the student has to get used to just generating ideas as much as possible. Uh, and again, at the, at the, uh, process level, if they continue to, uh, if they continue to do that, then over time, they'll see that that anxiety will uh, wane and they will <clears throat> not be as stressed because they're used to being able to produce a significant number of ideas in a short amount of time. At this stage, uh, that will be the end of the presentation. Uh, there, if there were questions to be asked, they could be asked at this time. And next week, we will go into... We will go into 
uh, writing strategies. So what kind of writing strategies uh, could you uh, employ to help students uh, tackle different aspects of writing? And so I look forward to that presentation next week. Thank you, Suleiman. That was uh, very enlightening. Thank you for the uh, patience. Uh, I know we had to move this back a week and for all the well, details you gave us and definitely looking forward to next week and then the subsequent weeks. Sounds good. All right. So then we'll save uh, the questions for next time and all we'll right. go from there. All right. All right. Thank have you. a good one. All right. Yep. yep.